Welcome, and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. We all have questions about life. Why this? Why not that? Maybe even more so because of this pandemic. We want to make sense of our lives. It may be the age-old question all of us ask at some point. First Pres opens the door to the answer to those big questions. Today starts a new sermon series based on the Alpha Course. For more, here's First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun. The Alpha Course is our new sermon series, and it all begins today. Alpha addresses some of the basic questions about Christianity. And we start with the most penetrating question, is there more to life? Is there ever a time that we would ask that question, it would be now? We may be thinking, I am so tired of this pandemic, constant arguing about vaccines or no vaccines, critical race theory or no theory, climate change, no climate change, inflation, deflation, artificial intelligence, seemingly no intelligence. For a COVID test or a vaccine card, we're tired of being asked, we're tired of being masked, we're tired of being tasked to do this or to do that. And out of the ash of the trash of what seems to be a wasted life, we ask, is there more to life? Life is extremely hard without a pandemic, but to put a disease on top of all of life's mess is just so much stress. We can feel I'm wallowing in despair. I'm swallowing any hope in the air. There has got to be more to life. Is there hope? Heads up, it may seem like a depressing downer sermon, but no worry, no worry. I will give us hope in the end and we will rise above it all. This will be the hill we climb. We start with this passage from the Bible, which might echo what many of you are feeling today. It's from the book of Ecclesiastes, written by King Solomon, supposedly one of the wisest kings in all of Israel. And hear his words. The words of the teacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the teacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What do people gain from all the toil at which they toil in their son? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hurries to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Round and round goes the wind and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they continue to flow. All things are wearisome, more than one can express. The eye is not satisfied with seeing or the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has already been in the ages before us. The people of long ago are not remembered, nor will there be any remembrance of people yet to come by those who come after them. Well, that's depressing. 
or you may prefer the more informal Bible paraphrase in The Message by Eugene Peterson, who interprets this passage this way. He writes, smoke, nothing but smoke. There's nothing to anything. It's all smoke. What's there to show for a lifetime of work? A lifetime of working your fingers to the bone. One generation goes its way, the next one arrives, but nothing changes. It's business as usual for old planet Earth. The sun comes up, the sun goes down, then does it again, then again, the same old round. The wind blows south, the wind blows north. Around and around and around it blows, blowing this way, then that, the whirling erratic wind. All the rivers flow into the sea, but the sea never fills up. The river flows, keeps flowing to the same old place, and then start all over and do it again. Everything's boring, utterly boring. No one can find any meaning in it. Boring to the eye, boring to the ear. What was, will be again. What happened, will happen again. There's nothing new on this earth. Year after year, it's the same old thing. Does someone call out, hey, this is new? Uh, don't get excited. Same old story. Nobody remembers what happened yesterday. And the things that will happen tomorrow, nobody will remember them either. Don't count on being remembered. Ouch, that's tough. What a downer of a passage. All is meaningless. All is vanity. All is smoke. And if we stop right there, yes, life will seem dismal, despairing, boring, bleak, homeless, hopeless, and we cannot help but be pessimistic. We can all sign up for a card of cynicism with a lifetime guarantee. In the movie, The Matrix, Morpheus, the mentor, tells the hero Neo that, quote, you felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad. And then Morpheus looks into the camera and says, the matrix is all around us, even now, in this very room. And that moreover, we are slaves to this matrix. And when he says that, you can feel like, yeah, yeah. You are articulating what I always have felt, that there is this deep curse in society. Something's wrong in the world. There's so much greed and division and intolerance. The Bible calls it original sin. You might call it a curse. We have a natural bent in humankind to mess things up. But is there more to life? What can I, one person, do to make a difference and fight what seems like insurmountable odds? I believe, deep in our souls, that we long for something more, something better. There's got to be something more better. We can feel it in our gut. There's something worth fighting for, something for which you can be noble and brave, but we might think we are not capable or we are just to be on the sidelines watching. But maybe, 
maybe, just maybe, we are called to be the main player. I believe we can see clues to the answer ultimately from the Bible and also from ancient civilizations. I mean, legends, parables, fairy tales, stories by writers of all cultures around the world show us that they too believe that there's something more, that there's some purpose in life that can give us meaning even amid evil and seeming hopelessness. In the Hawaiian culture, there was like Keakua, the one true God above everything else. In tales of King Arthur, we find Arthur Pendragon as a young, insignificant, and physically weak person, and yet it was he who had the strength, remember, to pull out the sword from the stone and unify his whole country as king. In Hans Christian Andersen's fairy tale called The Ugly Duckling, they, 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 um, the bullied <coughs> little duck turns out to be a beautiful swan. It is the domestically abused Cinderella who gets to the castle and marries the prince. It is Harry Potter, the outcast orphan who lived in a closet who then saves the world. In The Lord of the Rings, hobbits Frodo and Sam Gamgee save Middle Earth against tremendous odds and opposing armies and powers of evil in spite of their small stature. It is in Akira Kurosawa's movie, The Seven Samurai, that we see seven samurai in a village of poor peasants fight off a band of marauders over and over again. There is a deep sense in our hearts that even though the world is formidable or evil, even though we outcasts may feel looked down upon or feel weak, we are the ones who can have the destiny to make a difference and that there could be more to life. In fact, there is more to life. Now, let's look at the real world. In real life, often evil has far more power than good, but good can win. In real life, during World War II, in the Battle of Midway, the Americans won the battle even though the Japanese Empire had more planes and ships than we did. In the battle over Britain, again in World War II, the British defeated the Nazis even though the Nazis had more planes and were bombing London with long-range missiles and bombs from planes. In real life, the weak outlast the evil and the disease and the oppression. In real life, we must look for the unexpected, the, the small, the seemingly powerless to have the power to save humanity. And in real life, in Christianity, we see a baby born in a stable to be the one, the real one, the Messiah. He grows up to be a simple carpenter, but he's actually God initially incognito, but then he's revealed as the Messiah. And today, for those of you who are agnostics or atheists or luke lukewarm Christians who are trying to still figure it out, or exiles who are watching um, and now be testing 
to see if it is worth coming back to the faith, I say, even though religion or a church may have hurt you, give Jesus a chance. Unlike the Matrix character, Neo, Jesus is the one, the Savior, the Messiah. And you can run from him, but someday really look deeper into what he offers, like true love and forgiveness, to see if he is the one before it's too late. Did you know that Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, the Father of God. And he, he said that he was the way, the truth, the life, not a way or a truth or a life. One has few options when you hear someone say that. Either Jesus was a liar, for he knew he wasn't, or he was a lunatic, or he was the Lord God. He was, as the Hawaiians say, kahaku, or keakua. Jesus said he is the one, and that he came to give life to the fullest. Jesus came to deal with the things that spoiled your life, to deal with all the guilt we might have, and he has come to set us free to enjoy life to the fullest and to really flourish. And for those of you who might, on your own admission, that even though you said you're a Christian, but you're just not feeling it today, now is a chance to go deeper because the meaning you seek, the fulfillment and joy you seek will not be in an earthly world, but be in the one who came to save the world and truly give it meaning so that life is not all vanity, meaningless, or just smoke. Do you remember the name uh, Leo Tolstoy? Leo Tolstoy. He was the great Russian novelist who wore, uh, uh, wrote uh, War and Peace and um, Anna uh, Karina, um, Karina? Um, no, it's Anna Karenina. That's what it is. Um, you may not know it, but he also wrote a small book called Confession. It was his autobiography. And um, in it, he described as a child how he rejected Christianity. And later, he, later, though, he began to search for meaning in life apart from um, this religion. And he thought life was just about having fun and a good time. It was a life of partying in Moscow and St. Petersburg, and, and he became a heavy drinker. He was promiscuous. But he discovered that was not fulfilling, and it became an empty life. He then thought, that maybe money was the answer. And he inherited a lot of money, and he started to make a lot of money out of his book writing. But then he discovered that money was like seawater. The more you drink it, the thirstier you become. It was still an unsatisfactory life. And then he thought that maybe fame, importance, and success uh, were the answer. And he desired to be successful. 
and he wrote what some say are two or three of the greatest novels of all time um, in literature, and it brought him tremendous fame. But Tolstoy discovered that wasn't it. Then he thought true meaning in life is about relationships. Marriage, family life, sounded good. And he married in uh, 1862, had 13 children, and he thought he had a happy family. But he said that wasn't it either. And people around him would say, you got everything. But actually, it was at that point, he was still yearning for the question to this basic question, or yearning for the answer to this basic question. And I quote him when he said, or asked, what meaning has my life that the inevitability of death does not destroy? Heavy question. And so he went to philosophers and scientists and even to his contemporaries, his friends, and he found their answers unfulfilling. In the end, he finally discovered what he was looking for. And guess where he found it? In the poorest of the poor in Russia. In those in poverty who had so little, he found the answer in their faith in Jesus Christ. He was so blown away by it. In Jesus, then Tolstoy found a man, Jesus, who said he was and is God, and he spoke about forgiveness and kindness to the poor, love for the sinful, and Jesus taught against partiality and violence and greed, and he spoke for generosity and love and a faith in God that would truly give us meaning in life. British writer C.S. Lewis, who wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Road Wardrobe, you know, the Chronicles of Narnia, um, he wrote this. Christianity is a statement which, if it's false, is of no importance. And if it's true, it's of infinite importance. The one thing it can't be is moderately important. At some point, like Leo Tolstoy, we need to go on a search to find out, is there more to life? And we need to look at maybe philosophy, the Bible, science. You know, speaking of science, Francis Collins, I think I mentioned him a while back, the, <coughs> the director of the historic uh, human genome uh, project uh, and former director of the National Institute of Health. Um, has talked about how he investigated the evidence on whether there is a God. And when he examined the historical data and evidence of Jesus Christ, one day, also looking at the beauty of creation, there's science too, in his words, he, quote, knelt in the dewy grass and gave his life to Jesus Christ. Alice Cooper, the, the old rock and roll legend, um, said, quote, it hasn't been easy combining religion and rock. It's the most rebellious thing I've ever done. Drinking beer is easy. Trashing your hotel room is easy. But being a Christian, that's a tough call. That's real rebellion. And in a talk, I think about two years ago, Alice Cooper said that Christ saved him when his life was going down the tubes due to drugs and alcohol addiction. 
he said, and I quote, it was Christianity that got a hold of my life and turned me upside down, which was really to turn me the right side up. But what makes Christianity so different? It's grace, grace, that even though we have done bad things, God forgives us and doesn't give us what we deserve. And that's grace. He calls us into a friendship with him. Here's one more rock and roller um, who I respect, Bono of the group U2. He says it much better than I. And here's what Bono said, quote, it's a mind-blowing concept that the God who created the universe might be looking for company, a real relationship with people. But the thing that keeps me on my knees is the difference between grace and karma. You see, at the center of all religions is the idea of karma. You know, what you put out comes back to you, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, or in physics, in physical laws, every action is met by an equal or opposite one. He said, it's clear to me that karma is at the very heart of the universe. I'm absolutely sure of it. And yet along comes this idea called grace to upend all that you reap, so um, uh, that as you reap, so you will sow stuff. Grace defies reason and logic, he said. Love interrupts, if you like, the consequences of your actions, which in my case is very good news because I've done a lot of stupid stuff stuff that's between me and God. Bono said, but I'd be in big trouble if karma was going to be to finally be my judge. He said, I'd be in deep stuff. Actually, he used a different word that started with S. Only had four letters. He said, it doesn't excuse my mistakes, but I'm holding out for grace. I'm holding out that Jesus took my sins onto the cross because I know who I am and I hope I don't have to depend on my religiosity. The words of Bono, lead singer of one of the top performing groups in the world who is so aware of his sin and temptations and the need for his personal relationship with Christ. He said, there is a spiritual hunger going on. Everybody feels it. And if you don't feel it now, you will. Trust me, you will. And maybe you are searching. And that's why you're watching today. Maybe you have even been a Christian for a long time, but right now you just kind of feel plateaued or maybe pulverized by a pandemic. Today is a day to seriously, seriously, truly seriously dive into who is this Jesus? What does he promise us? Why did he die for us? He, he said that he came to give us life abundantly. Why is it that we're not feeling that right now? He said it would give me the Holy Spirit. Why is it I'm not feeling it? Rather than going away from Jesus, especially during a pandemic, do we need to go deeper in studying or investigating the Christian faith? Don't run from your questions. Embrace them and do it in community. And that's why the Alpha Course series begins today. We will hope to answer many of those questions and we will have 
live alpha groups which you can join immediately after the service by just clicking a button. And the, the alpha series is that you hear the sermon on Sunday and then hopefully go into an alpha small group today or later in the week and we really need community to talk to one another on Zoom due to COVID um, prevention and hopefully at some point later when the coast is clear in person. So I believe it is God's wisdom that um, he encouraged us to do Alpha right now so that we can all be in community. We can't isolate or be a maverick or a lone ranger at this time. So sign up for a small group if you haven't already and you can sign up on the website and, and see how the discussions go. Feel free to air your doubts, your questions, and, and, and may people just listen and not counter or condemn. Just listen to people's doubts and questions. And we'll have some facilitators to ensure um, that people will listen and it'll be a safe place for you all to talk and explore. And, but it begins with you today. And um, so believe it or not, Jesus is real. And he really did walk on this earth, and he actually is the something more to life. Initially, Tolstoy thought it was about all about money or fame or to be with family all the time. And though they, that all can give us good times, he felt there had to be something more. And that's what C.S. Lewis wrote about in his book called The Problem of Pain. He wrote this, Our Father, meaning our Heavenly Father, refreshes us on the journey with some pleasant inns, but will not encourage us to mistake them for home. We need to get home. And home is a thriving relationship with God. And he is far more generous and forgiving and loving, and as Bono said, grace-filled than we could ever imagine. So may the journey begin today. Please join me in prayer. Lord, as we sit or stand in your presence, may we just be real and authentic and do a self-inventory of our lives and just to be honest of where we feel things are lacking, where we need to improve and that we could be honest in our search about meaning and that we might give you a chance, Lord, to really be the center of, of the meaning we seek. Some right now are ready to begin that journey and maybe making a commitment to say, okay, Lord, if Jesus, if you are who you say you are, then come into my life and I want to start the journey and test you out, test this out, this faith in you. And that, Lord, we know just begins with a prayer of just saying sorry or thank you and thank you and please. And so I just want to lead people who might be out there, this might be the day when they're ready to start the journey of faith with you, or for some, be a recommitment. And if they could just follow in the silence of their heart with me in this prayer that says this, Lord, sorry that maybe I've ignored you for a while. 
and that, Lord, if you are who you say you are, then come into my life. Thank you. As Bono said, that you forgive our sins and you offer us grace. But please come into my life. Send me your Holy Spirit. And I want to have this relationship with you. And for some, Lord, it may mean a recommitment time. That, Dan, what you said today hit some points in my heart. And I think, especially during this pandemic, I really need to be fully aligned with you, Lord. Sorry that maybe I've ignored you. Sorry I haven't dug deeper. But thank you for offering me your grace and forgiveness. And please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me to the brim and overflowing. For I want to follow you in a new way and seek you, Lord. And together we pray that in Christ's name. Amen. And if you said that prayer, that closing prayer, um, feel free to hit that button that's in the chat area that says, I commit my life to Christ. And there's also a button there if you want to pray with somebody. Somebody would just love to pray with you and commit that before the Lord. Um, please take advantage of that too. But you know, when we make these decisions, it's really a time to like shout to the Lord and say, okay, may new joy pour into my heart. And I really want to thank you, Lord. And now, just before I give a final blessing to you, Saul, and a final goodbye, I, I want to say, for those of you who want to join a, an alpha group, an alpha small group right now and kind of discuss um, the message and go a little deeper. You don't, you didn't have to pre-register. All you have to do is hit that button after my final blessing and that'll put you in a digital small room and uh, you'll join a facilitator and a small group of people to um, discuss these things. And again, community is so important. We can't be together in person. So I hope you all, whether you're a visitor or newcomer or someone who's been with our church for some time might click that button and um, be a part of a group. And if like, oh no, I got some things to do today. If you wanna join another group, I know there's one on Thursday, there may be others another time, go to the website and you can check on those and you can join uh, those too. And um, so at this point, uh, let me close with a final blessing and please receive this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and its countenance be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love and grace and forgiveness of the Lord. And know he desires to be with you always, that he's calling you into friendship. May you feel his love. I bless you in his name. In Christ's name, amen. Well, it's been great to be with you all. Hit that button to join our Alpha group if you want to. And for the rest of you, I'll see you next week. Ahui ho. God bless. See you later. No matter where we are in life, questions remain. The Alpha Course is a venue where you can ask all those nagging, challenging questions you've ever had about God, Jesus, life, and more. If you want to catch up on or re-listen to previous services, you can find past sermons on our websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. You can also find First Pres sermons on most major podcast services and on YouTube. Because of the recent rise in COVID cases, First Pres is back to online worship services only. 
Those services happen Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. at fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. Sign up for First Pres emails for links to sermons, daily devotionals, church news and updates, and lots, lots more. And as always, if there's anything First Pres can do for you, please reach out through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Senior Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Pres, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2022 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.